You're listening to Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Hear stories, uncover insights, and tune into interviews on key issues that impact realtors and all of us. Join us as we discover how people, properties, and communities all come together to build the future of real estate. Hi, everyone. It's Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst. Election Day is September 20th, and joining me are three candidates running in the federal election. In today's episode, we're talking about housing positions, including supply, affordability, and policies that impact the real estate market. Without further ado, I would like to welcome Ahmed Hassan from the Liberal Party riding in York South Weston. Representing the NDP, we have Simon Topp from the Don Valley East riding. And finally, Amanda Rosenstock representing the Green Party in Spadina, Fort York. Treb invited candidates running for the Conservative Party and the People's Party of Canada. Unfortunately, both had to withdraw due to last-minute conflicts. Finally, before we jump into our conversation, I want to make clear that I will be strict on timing, allowing each participant equal time to address the issues. So let's start off with 90-second introductions for the candidates running. Um, and we'll start with Ahmed Hassan. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure for me to be part of this debate. I'm the Liberal candidate in York Southwestern. Uh, our Liberal housing plan has three broad categories uh, that uh, we're focused on, which is the first one is affordability, measures to really uh, tackle the affordability challenges faced by Canadians. The second one is tackling the challenges around housing supply. And the third is around fairness and rights uh, for all involved in real estate transactions. On affordability, we are the only party that is offering uh, an innovative rent-to-own program. We will be committing a billion dollars for rent-to-own programs so that your rent can, uh, can, can matter and not just go to landlords. We'll be backing with incentives to, uh, we'll, we'll be backing that program with incentives to ensure that folks can, uh, who rent properties can uh, move towards home ownership as quickly as possible. We will introduce a new tax-free savings account of up to $40,000, again, to enable first-time home buyers to access their dream of home ownership. We will revamp the existing first-time home buyer incentive program, which we introduced, and we will make it an even better program so that it can serve the needs of first-time home buyers. And uh, we will, uh, uh, make the first time we will double the first time home buyer tax credit as well as lowering overall uh, monthly mortgage payments. So we will do everything that we can to ensure that uh, we're, we're tackling the affordability challenges faced by Canadians so that more and more Canadians than ever before uh, have access to home ownership. On supply, we will be building 1.4 million new units of housing. We will use a $4 billion incentive fund to incentivize the building of more uh, housing by municipalities. We will enable uh, the provision of uh, housing supply uh, your 90 seconds. by offering uh, federal land, and we will also enable nonprofits to access uh, funds to acquire property and land. Thank you. Uh, next, we have Amanda Rosenstock. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Amanda Rosenstock. I'm running to be the next member of parliament for the Greens in Spadina, Fort York. Uh, I'm a new lawyer and I've served the needs of small businesses across the GTA. 
Uh, many young Canadians and middle-income Canadians are facing a future where the dream of home ownership is becoming more and more distant. Greens understand that the housing crisis will not be solved without addressing the effect that speculation has on making our housing market more unaffordable. Home prices have gone up 83% since the Liberals took power. And as Greens, we believe that we need to shift away from the paradigm that homes are investment vehicles. Homes are for people to live in, and we must make it tougher for investors to purchase single-family homes so that young and middle-income Canadians are not being priced out of their own communities. Greens understand this crisis, and Greens are willing to take real action to address this crisis. Thank you for being here today. Thank you very much. And uh, finally, Simon Top, please give us your introduction. Sure thing. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, like he said, my name is Simon Top. I'm the NDP candidate for Don Valley East. And I think we should start with the undisputed facts that we all agree with. Canada is in the middle of a housing crisis. Though I think it's important to discuss how we got here, because it tells us what we need to do. For too long, the Liberal and Conservative governments have been asleep at the wheel on housing leaving it almost completely up to the private sector. We've seen the results. Canada has some of the highest housing prices in the world. In Toronto, basically the only housing being built is for the upper end of the market. So not only is not enough housing being built, but the housing that is being built is nowhere near affordable for most renters. On top of that, the cost of buying a home has almost doubled since 2015, making home ownership almost completely out of reach, especially for young people and new Canadians. On top of that, this country has some of the highest wireless bills in the world, and wages have not kept up with the cost of living. In short, it's too expensive to live in too many parts of this country, with participation in the big city housing market limited to only the country's top earners. That is the result of a market failure due to government neglect. So, what do we need to do? There was a time when the federal government, through the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, took a far more active role in making sure everyone had an affordable, safe place to live. That was until it was significantly reduced by the Paul Martin Liberals, who didn't see the need for our government to be involved. It's time that we ditch that attitude and address this crisis head on. We need to bring in long-term solutions while also providing direct help to people right now. The COVID-19 pandemic has shown that it's time that the representatives of the Canadian people take a more active role in our well-being, and housing is a vital part of that. We should not have people being evicted from their homes during a pandemic in one of the richest countries in the world. I look forward to discussing it with you all today. Thank, thank you. you. All right, well, thank you very much for those introductions. And it's clear that uh, all of your parties have a, uh, a vital interest in, in, in housing, but obviously there's gonna be different approaches in terms, of, uh, in terms of how you'll bring more supply online and deal with the various uh, uh, issues of the day. And so with that in mind, I wanna to turn to our, our specific conversation topics. Uh, and how we set this out is, is I'll ask a question um, and we'll go through each of you in turn with, uh, with a one minute reply. So let's jump right in. And, and the first question I have is, is what can the federal government do to help with market-based housing supply issues across the country, both in terms of ownership and rental housing? And we'll go with the same order as we did in the introduction. So I'll turn it over to Ahmed Hassan first for his one minute reply. Uh, thank you very much. I believe that uh, the federal government has a role uh, of providing leadership as well as uh, backing that leadership with resources to incentivize more housing supply across the spectrum 
of the housing uh, needs of Canadians, whether it is building more uh, temporary and supportive housing, uh, as well as permanent housing solutions to accommodate Canada's homeless population. In addition to that, building deeply affordable housing through the national housing strategy, building more affordable rental housing units, but also working closely with municipalities to incentivize the building of more housing supply, period, for families, for middle-class Canadians. And we will do that uh, moving forward with uh, putting forward a $4 billion fund to incentivize municipalities and work with them to overcome barriers and give them the tools that they need to provide more housing supply. We are the only political party that is offering to uh, increase housing supply by an additional 1.4 million homes. That is higher than uh, the Conservatives and it's higher than the uh, New Democratic Party. Thank you, Mr. Hassan. And now I'll turn to Amanda Rosenstock from the Green Party. Yes, thank you, Jason. Look, we have to tackle the crisis at um, all points along the housing continuum. Uh, when it comes to home ownership, we absolutely have to address the role that investment and speculation, not just by foreign investors, but domestic investors as well, the role that that plays in our housing markets. And we can look to uh, other jurisdictions for potential measures um, when dealing with that. When we're looking at the issue of rental housing and unaffordability, absolutely supply is an issue. There's no doubt we need to bring back tax incentives um, that incentivize developers to create more purpose-built rentals. Uh, the Green Party of Canada is the only party that has a plan to uh, uh, implement a national co-op housing strategy. The federal government needs to re-engage on that front and free up federal lands and uh, put the money up to, uh, to develop these uh, developments. Um, when it comes to the homelessness crisis, we need to end the ongoing saga of provincial governments not stepping up to the plate and putting up the money for operating costs uh, when it comes to funding the wraparound supports for these units, which means that the federal government needs to take a stronger role in, flow in flowing funds directly to municipalities so that they can get more supporting house of units online. Thank you. And Mr. Top, uh, you'll have the final word on this question. Much appreciated. Uh, so listen, as many people have said, uh, the fundamental thing we need to do to deal with housing supply issues is to build more housing, right? I think uh, that's an undisputed fact. Uh, we would do that quickly by cutting uh, GST and HST to uh, developers that want to build affordable housing. That's something that we can do quickly. Also, just to be clear, the Green Party is not the only party with a co-op plan. Uh, we are planning to create startup funds to begin the process of building these housing co-ops. Uh, we also want to ensure that uh, social housing, as well as not-for-profit housing, can be built at the same time. This will allow people to navigate through the various systems and have the startup money that they can use to you know, break into the housing market. Uh, also, we believe fundamentally that uh, we should have a housing first approach to homelessness. It is unreasonable to ask someone to turn their life around before they have a place to stay. So we fundamentally believe in investing heavily in these things. And like we said, we want to just build what needs to be built. However, we also know that people can't wait for several years before they can have a place to stay. So if people are struggling to afford their rent, we believe in direct financial aid so people don't have to become evicted or become homeless. And again, one of the biggest crises of the 21st century. Thank you very much. 
And, and one of the issues I, I want to drill into in a little bit more detail with this next question is um, cooperation and collaboration with, with local and provincial uh, governments. Um, all of you touched on this to, to a certain degree in your answers, but I think it's worth drilling into in a little bit more detail. And so, you know, from, from our perspective, some of the most significant barriers to building new housing supply are local and provincial regulations and red tape. So if elected, how will your government work with the provincial, territorial, and municipal governments to, to address housing affordability? And we'll mix up the order um, as we go through. So uh, this time we'll start with Amanda Rosenstock. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, one of the things that has been really brought to the fore is the impact that prohibitive, prohibitive zoning regulations, um, you know, especially here in Toronto, have on um, impeding the development of, you know, missing middle type of housing, uh, including townhomes, um, you know, walk-ups, uh, lower and mid-rise level housing um, in, you know, 80% um, of the, uh, of the land, um, you know, that's, uh, that's within this jurisdiction. And so, um, you know, we need to try and incentive municipality, uh, incentivize, sorry, municipalities as best as we can to lift those prohibiting, uh, prohibitive zoning restrictions. Um, and if that means, you know, um, tying a portion of infrastructure, housing infrastructure funding, to um, uh, to conditions on lifting some of these restrictions, uh, that's something that we may need to look at. Thank you very much. And I'll now turn to Simon Top on the same question. Sure thing. Uh, you know, I would actually concur with Mrs. Rothenstock on the idea of zoning and issues like that. But when it comes to working with municipalities, fundamentally what a lot of these municipalities are missing uh, is funds. They often don't have the ability to build the things they would like to build, often because their only sources of income is from property taxes, which, by the way, contributes to the cost of housing. So we need to be working with these municipalities so they can have a federal partner in building all sorts of things. That includes affordable housing. It also includes infrastructure, and it also includes just general well-being of the citizens that live in their municipalities. So that is fundamentally what we would like to do, have a federal partner with provincial governments and municipal governments. Thank you very much. And the final word on this question goes to Ahmed Hassan. Thank you so much. Uh, we have demonstrated through uh, programs like the Rapid Housing Initiative, the Canada, the, the, the Canada Housing Benefit and many other programs that we have found ways to work very collaboratively with provinces and municipalities, indigenous governments and local communities. And we will obviously build on that strong foundation of collaboration by introducing an incentive fund uh, of $4 billion to incentivize municipalities to build more housing supply, more mixed housing, more affordable housing, more rent to own, and give them the tools that they need to overcome some of the barriers that you mentioned, including red tape and, uh, and processing uh, and delays in, in approvals and so on. We need to increase the, the supply of housing. And we know, we recognize in the federal government that we don't have all the tools, but we certainly uh, can play a leadership role and provide uh, financial incentives to enable municipalities to also uh, play their part and, and absolutely continue to work with provinces to make sure that we're delivering uh, real housing supply improvements across the country. Thank you very much. And you know, we've talked about 
uh, collaboration with provincial and territorial and municipal governments and, and certainly incentives to a certain degree as well. And maybe we can drill down and talk about, you know, one of the key inputs um, to developing new housing, whether we're talking about market-based housing um, or, or forms of assistance housing as well. And that's the need for land. Um, and, and land costs are often the single biggest factor uh, when we're thinking about improving the economics of housing development. So how would each of your parties, if elected to govern, approach the use of public lands to help spur uh, the development of housing? And this time we'll start with Simon Top. Well, quite frankly, there's a lot of public land that isn't being used for a whole lot. Uh, and we think that that land should be used to incentivize affordable housing. Uh, especially when it comes to housing co-ops and uh, not-for-profit housing and social housing. Uh, those are the projects that can fundamentally lift people out of poverty by giving them a place to stay. And so absolutely, uh, federal public land should go towards those things, especially if it can be done at a lower price uh, to allow people to start up the projects that their community needs. Thank you very much. And now we'll turn to Ahmed Hassan. Uh, a number of uh, tangible things that we will do. Number one, we will make federal lands available uh, to nonprofit organizations, municipalities, and others to build affordable housing. The second thing we will do is we will empower uh, nonprofits and other housing providers to acquire properties and land, uh, and we will uh, enable them to do so by providing them the necessary resources. That's how you increase supply. That's how you increase the supply of mixed housing. Land is always uh, most often a barrier to the provision and increase of uh, supply of housing, especially affordable housing and, and housing in general. And we will be putting that into the mix by again, providing federal lands and enabling folks to acquire land. Thank you very much. And you know, another key topic when we're thinking about the demand for, for housing, and especially when we're thinking about affordable housing is, you know, younger people who may be looking to get into the, the market for the first time. And, and, and Treb does consumer polling at the end of each year. And one of the things we found over the last, say, five to six years uh, is that when you're thinking about intending buyers, people who would like to purchase a home that are going to be looking seriously at that over the, the next year, between 40 and 50% of intending buyers have been in that first-time buyer category. And so, again, how do your parties intend to support first-time buyers uh, and, and new Canadians across the country that are struggling to find housing that meets their needs? And this time, we'll start with Ahmed Hassan. Number one, we're the only political party that is offering an innovative rent-to-own program for first-time home buyers. That is a real, realistic, tangible way for folks to have a roadmap uh, to access their dream of home ownership. We're the only political party that is offering a very generous uh, first-time home buyer tax-free savings account uh, to the tune of, uh, of $40,000, which would, again, help people access home ownership. Uh, we're the only political party that has demonstrated uh, the use of the first time home buyer incentive and we will revamp that program to even provide more supports so that more and more Canadians can access their dream of home ownership uh, by building more, by working uh, with, with different orders of government and by putting those incentives in place, we believe more and more Canadians will access their dream of home ownership through the Liberal Housing Plan than any other plan out there. Thank you very much. And I'll turn to Amanda Rosenstock next on first-time buyers. 
Yes, thank you. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing um, how this uh, rent to own program uh, proposed by the Liberals is actually going to uh, free up disposable income for uh, renters to actually um, be able to go on and own a home. So I'm um, looking forward to hearing that. But um, but look, I mean, again, when it goes to uh, when it goes to the issue of first time home buyers, um, we do need to deal with the issue of speculation. One of the proposals that the Green Party has is to introduce an empty homes tax. Uh, we've seen by some accounts there are up to 66,000 vacant properties um, in uh, Toronto. Uh, we know that uh, speculation and vacancy taxes have worked to put uh, rental units back on the market in Vancouver. Um, in New Zealand, they introduced uh, tougher down payment requirements uh, for investors purchasing non-primary residences. Um, they increase the interest um, uh, rates for investors. The UK has eliminated uh, financing fees um, for landlords. Uh, some of, these are some of the measures we need to be looking to to actually make the cost of housing more affordable and in, to, to give for, uh, young Canadians and middle income earners a chance to actually get into the housing market. Thank you. And Simon Topp, we'll let you have the last word on first-time buyers. Well, so the first is a couple of things that we can do to directly help people, right? First, we will reintroduce three-year terms to Canadian Housing and Mortgage Corporation insured mortgages uh, on entry-level homes for first-time home buyers, which will allow for much smaller monthly payments. Uh, we will also double the home buyer's tax credit to help with closing costs. But frankly, I think what we really need to do to ensure that housing is actually affordable is deal with the fact that big money investors are driving up the cost of houses. No one can win a bidding war against investors with deep pockets who are just looking to turn a profit and not build a neighborhood. So to help put an end to speculation that's fueling these high housing prices, we will place a 20% foreign buyer's tax on the sale of homes to individuals who aren't Canadian citizens or permanent residents. We will also fight money laundering, which fuels organized crime and also drives up those housing prices we love to talk about. We will work with the provinces to create a public beneficial ownership uh, registry to increase transparency about who owns properties and we will require reporting of suspicious transactions in order to help find and stop money laundering. Finally, something we want to encourage is co-ownership. Uh, we want to make sure that people have easy access to financing by offering CAMHC backed co-ownership mortgages. Thank you very much. And the next topic I want to cover, you know, is obviously important for, for all buyers, but, but certainly first time buyers as well. Because if you think about how the majority of people in Canada purchase a home, it's, it's through the use of a mortgage. Um, and so thinking about what all of your parties would do if, if you form government, um, how would you look at, at mortgage lending policy in Canada? And especially thinking about things like the, the Austrian mortgage stress test um, and the potential for longer term amortization periods. Um, and, and with that in mind, we'll start with uh, Amanda Rosenstock. Well, when it comes to mortgages, I mean, our focus is really, uh, like I said before, I mean, it's on investors. Um, you know, I had pointed out earlier, we need to look at what other jurisdictions are doing to make it tougher for investors to, uh, to purchase single family homes in order to free up supply and bring costs down for young and middle-income Canadians. Thank you very much. Um, and now I'll turn to Simon Top. Well, like I said, uh, we think that we should be able to have mortgages that last longer for lower payments, 
right? Uh, fundamentally, people, one of the reasons people can't afford a house is because A, they can't afford the down payment, and B, they can't afford the monthly hit on their income that comes every time they have to make a payment. So we think that those need to be significantly lower. Otherwise, even if you do create more housing, uh, you don't end up having people being able to move into it. And especially if the housing that is created is not designed to be affordable. Uh, we need to invest in that missing middle. Uh, we need to allow there to be an option to move into a home that you can actually afford. And we think the longer mortgage terms would help fix that. Thank you very much. And Amin Hassan will give you a last word on mortgages and mortgage lending policy. Well, we remain committed to helping Canadians, uh, all Canadians find an affordable place to call home. Uh, you know, the, the issue around lowering mortgage payments and enabling people to be able to afford a down payment, we have addressed that. Uh, the Liberal Party in government has addressed that through the first time home buyer incentive, which is about enabling people to be able to pay the, uh, the down payment by providing up to 10% uh, of the value of the home in the form of a down payment. We have uh, tweaked that program to better meet the needs of, um, of, uh, of, 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 of locations like Toronto, Vancouver, and Victoria that have high housing prices. We are promising to do uh, even further work on the first-time home buy incentive. But the first-time home buy incentive not only provides folks with that down payment, but it also lowers monthly mortgage payments, which is something that the other parties are talking about doing. We've been doing that for a number of years and we, can, we will continue to always re-examine that program to see how much further we can help Canadians. Thank you very much. And the, the final question for this round is, is, is it gets back to the, the, the topic of, of specific housing programs. And so do you feel that there are different programs or courses of action that are required to, to address housing affordability? And for example, you know, I'm thinking of uh, programs like the home buyer's tax credit. Is, is there room for, for increases or modifications there? But certainly we'd be interested to hear um, other sort of clear cut programs that you'd be looking at either continuing on but changing or, or perhaps bringing in something new. Um, so we'll start with Simon Top. Um, fundamentally, I think in terms of programs that need to be built, we need to very seriously invest in supply, as we've all been saying. Uh, I think we've mentioned a lot of the things that we'd already really like to do. So maybe, maybe we can just summarize. Uh, fundamentally, we want to invest in more affordable housing by cutting taxes. We want to encourage co-ops, social housing, and not-for-profit homes. But I think the, really the big one, because people can't wait to pay their rent and are likely facing homelessness or eviction, is we need people to receive financial aid if they can't afford their rent right now. Now, of course, we can't do that forever, and it's not going to replace the job. But the COVID-19 pandemic has shown is that when you just assist people in a crisis, the crisis can be managed. And we think that home housing is a crisis in this country right now. So that's what we would do is make sure people don't face eviction and homelessness in one of the richest countries in the world. Thank you very much. Mr. Hassan? Uh, I believe that, uh, yes, uh, housing supply is... Uh, one of the uh, ways to improve access to home ownership, but it's not the only way. Uh, yes, supply is important, but so is uh, other supports to ensure affordability. The tax-free savings account uh, will help. Rent-to-own uh, program will help. Uh, programs uh, to address, for example, with, uh, initiatives to initiative to uh, to revamp the first-time home buy incentive to make it even more. 
relevant to first-time home buyers will help. And um, making sure that we're providing a mix of housing. It's, you know, uh, we, we, sh we, should, we should definitely work with uh, uh, particularly municipalities to make sure that we're building all types of housing for different housing needs of Canadians. It can't be a one size fit all and, and different, uh, different uh, Canadians have different housing needs and, and government policy has to reflect the diversity of those needs. Thank you very much. And Amanda Rosenstock, you get the final word on housing programs. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so one thing that really distinguishes the Green Party from uh, the NDP or the Liberals is that we really do want to zero in on the potential of unleashing co-op housing. And that's why we're proposing a national co-op housing strategy. There hasn't been a single co-op uh, built in Toronto since 2010. When I questioned uh, the former Liberal incumbent in my riding, he said, oh, well, we have one application pending in Mississauga. Well, that response is not good enough. The federal government needs to re-engage uh, with uh, cooperative housing stakeholders, um, including reviewing the financing requirements, because we've heard from stakeholders that um, even if you want to start a co-op, trying to meet all of the requirements in order to access CMHC financing can be quite onerous. Uh, so we need to review the, um, the requirements there. Uh, we need to put up federal lands um, and incentivize municipalities to also lease lands for co-op housing like they did uh, prior to the 1990s. Um, and uh, we know uh, based on expert reports that cooperative housing is one of the best ways to keep uh, rents affordable over the long term. In some models, it also uh, affords people a pathway to ownership. Um, and once the, uh, the mortgage is paid off uh, by, the, uh, by the housing cooperative, um, oftentimes they can be self-sustaining and so do not need to be reliant on subsidies um, over the long term. Thank you very much and I appreciate all your comments thus far and we've touched on a lot of issues impacting the housing market and, and your party's positions on them. Um, with that in mind, I want to finish off today with a couple of questions on some hot button issues that have, 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 been, have been raised more than once and by more than one party during this election and, and we'll change up the format a little bit in the sense that we'll give you a minute to respond and then once we go through each of your responses, you each have an additional 30 seconds to rebut um, on these next two topics. And I'd like to start today with, with the notion or election promises that have been made around banning blind bidding during the offer process. At TREB, we believe in consumer choice and privacy should be paramount in shaping any government policy that deals with the offer process. And so what is the position of your party on the offer process and home transactions that's referred to as blind bidding? Should consumers have a choice on the process and disclosure of their personal information? And so we'll start with Simon Toff on this question. Listen, um, the thing with blind bidding is that it means that anybody can bid no matter who they are, which means that folks that might need to be viewed by the public. This is, it's a transparency question, right? This is one of the ways that we want to tackle uh, money laundering and giant investors buying up properties that the Canadians can't afford it, right? So we believe that it should be viewable to all who is bidding on these properties. Otherwise, you just have just have too much money floating around the system, making the housing prices as high as they are. So that's our position on that. And uh, but thank you for the question. Thank you. And now I'll turn to Amanda Rosenstock on the same issue. 
Yes, I know that uh, the other parties, um, you know, have proposed to take action at the federal level on blind bidding. Um, I, you know, I, my, from my understanding is that um, blind bidding is, uh, or bidding is regulated at the provincial level. So I'd like to hear more um, about how they propose to go about this. Um, but, you know, the issue of blind bidding, um, you know, my fiance and I actually just recently were looking for a condo um, in downtown Toronto and, and we encountered blind bidding and yes I think it is, um, I think it is a, uh, it, it wastes people's time, it wastes the real estate agents time, it certainly wasted our time um, as buyers, um, and so uh, I would like to see an end to that practice. Um, you know, but uh, look, it isn't, uh, you know, it's just a band-aid, uh, or it's just a distraction, um, I would say, you know, from the real overarching issues around uh, speculation um, and supply and uh, the lack of uh, direct funding to municipalities to re-engage um, or to provide more housing. Thank you. And Ahmed Hassan, you have the final word on blind bidding before we go into rebuttals. Well, we obviously are uh, the only political party. The Liberal Housing Plan is the only plan that bans uh, uh, blind bidding. We obviously uh, want more housing supply. We want more Canadians than ever before to access their dream of home ownership. We want transparency in the process. Uh, we believe that uh, you know there is transparency in other uh, processes for purchasing uh, other uh, other other consumer products and uh, buying a home should shouldn't be any different. We should know, uh, you know, what uh, what folks are offering and, uh, uh, and 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 blind bidding has led to uh, astronomical increases in, in 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 housing prices, which has put a lot of pressure on the ability for first time home buyers to access the the dream of home ownership. So. We will tackle that. We are, we're the only uh, political party that is introducing a bill of rights for potential homeowners, banning foreign investment in the real estate market. Uh, you know, th this is uh, this is obviously uh, an attempt by our by our party to make sure that uh, that there are more most there's more transparency and fairness uh, in the process, and we believe it's the right thing to do. Thank you. And, and Mr. Top, you went first. Um, so I'll give you the first opportunity to rebut anything you've heard. Well, I would just add, I think, it's a, sorry, I think it's a question of the power dynamics between the people selling the homes and the people buying it. Uh, people need to be able to compete and see what the different offers are. And if you do that without letting them see it, or if you add too many extra layers to that process, it just makes, the, makes it unfair for the folks that are trying to get into the housing market. Thank you. Ms. Rosenstock? Yeah, I'd like to, uh, to address the issue of the first time home buyers incentive, um, which you know, data has shown us has been uh, undersubscribed, particularly here in the GTA. Um, and I'd like to know, uh, you know given that uh, house prices are 15 times uh, the median household income in Toronto, how the first time home buyers incentive uh, which limits the, um, the amount of lending to four times five, uh, four and a half times uh, household income, how that is going to help um, young Canadians and middle-income Canadians in the GTA acquire a home. Thank you. And Mr. Huston, you have the last opportunity for rebuttal on this topic. The, the fact of the matter is without tackling blind bidding uh, and, and other 
uh, measures towards uh, to that block transparency. I think it is important to uh, make sure that folks are, are entering into processes with their eyes open. Uh, transparency can only be good for sellers and, and buyers. And the entire process, as has been mentioned before, we have to make sure that uh, we know uh, where these purchases and where this money is coming from, because we know that, uh, uh, you know, that, that transparency leads to better outcomes for both buyers and, and sellers. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we know that uh, uh, emphasizing the rights of potential home buyers is something that is much needed uh, in, in the sector right now. And uh, we are not, uh, we, we certainly value the work of, of, of real estate agents and we believe they provide a very important essential service, but uh, transparency is needed and that's what we're doing. Thank you very much for that. And, and I think probably the, the greatest hot button issue um, that we've heard during this election campaign, and it's certainly one that we've been talking a lot about over the better part of the last half decade is the, is the topic of, of foreign investment and foreign buyers in, in, in real estate um, in major centers across the country. And so we'd like each of your party's thoughts and your own thoughts on, on regulation of foreign investment in real estate. Um, the concerns about the impact on the rental market um, and also uh, the impact more broadly on, on, the, on the supply of, of, of housing for sale um, as well. Uh, so we'll start with Ahmed Hassan. We know that uh, you know, uh, foreign investment that views our real estate market as an item on a, on a large portfolio uh, has led to uh, uh, negative outcomes for uh, home buyers. Um, Canadian homes uh, are there to be uh, to be accessed by Canadians who are accessing and trying to access their dream of home ownership. So we have taken the position that uh, moving forward, a re-elected Liberal government will ban uh, foreign investment in our real estate market for, uh, for two years. And obviously we will uh, see uh, the impacts of that. Uh, this is an attempt by us to uh, make sure that uh, more Canadians can, uh, and more first-time home buyers can access their dream home, home, home ownership. Uh, and, 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 and we will control REITs. We will tax real estate income trusts more so that again, uh, the negative impacts that they've had on uh, raising uh, rents and leading to rent evictions uh, is, is dealt with uh, finally. And, uh, and that's, it. that's precisely what we're offering to them. Thank you. And I'll turn it over now to Amanda Rosenstock on foreign buying. Yeah, so, you know, I don't think that the Liberals have absolutely any credibility on this issue. I mean, in their budget 2021 announcement, um, they announced, you know, a measly 1% uh, tax on non-resident uh, property owners, which by most expert accounts that I've heard is would just be the cost of doing business and do nothing really uh, to quell the, uh, the dramatic growth in house prices that we've seen across the country. And they only announced uh, a ban on foreign owners once the Conservatives announced it. So, um, you know, I just don't think that they can be trusted um, when it comes to this issue uh, whatsoever. Um, now, you know, the reality is, is that, um, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, banning foreign owners is something that um, it's time to, you know, to put on the table. Um, but again, we've seen data come out of New Zealand. They took the same approach. They've banned, um, they've banned uh, foreign buyers 
uh, from being able to uh, to uh, to purchase detached homes. Australia has done it to some extent as well, and that hasn't. Sorry, and yeah, I was just going to say that that hasn't um, on its own been enough to quell the dramatic growth in house prices in those countries. Thank you, and Mr. Top, you get the final word on on foreign buying before we turn to rebuttals on this final question. Yeah, I would say that you know foreign buying is definitely a big source of why housing is so expensive, but it's not the only thing. And like Amanda said, banning it won't immediately immediately solve it. In fact, I think there's probably an even higher, at least equally or at the very minimum, close issue, which is that people are buying houses and flipping them for far more expensive than they used to be, like a certain liberal candidate. We believe in implementing a 20% foreign buyers tax. On, uh, on foreign buyers, we believe that will help curb it. But also fundamentally, we want to deal with money laundering. Like I said earlier, we need to have transparency in these transactions so that we can catch uh, sort of shady deals and make sure that they don't contribute to the housing prices in this country. And so that organized crime doesn't benefit off of the uh, unaffordability of the Canadian housing market. Thank you very much. And I'll turn it back to Mr. Huston. You have 30 seconds if you'd like to rebut anything you've heard. Uh, yes, I would uh, uh, point to, uh, to, to the fact that we are the ones who will uh, end uh, foreign, uh, foreign buyers investing in our real estate sector. We're going to stop the harmful practice for renovations. We're going to tax uh, big real estate investment companies. We're going to, uh, uh, to limit uh, house flipping. And we will establish the first ever housing uh, bill of rights that will make uh, buying a home fair, open, and a transparent process. Uh, and we, our record uh, speaks for itself. We are determined to make sure that more Canadians than ever before uh, have access to their dream of home ownership. Thank you very much. And now to Amanda Rosenstock for any final rebuttal on that. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand how the Liberals can uh, claim that the record speaks for itself. Uh, house prices uh, have gone up 83% uh, since they took power. Um, and, uh, you know, they've had six years uh, to deal with the housing crisis. In fact, Christia Freeland was uh, bringing this issue to the foreign parliament when Stephen Harper was in office. And uh, even when the Liberals uh, won their election in 2015, they didn't take action. So they knew about this long ago. And, uh, you know, I think time's up and uh, Canadians aren't being fooled anymore. Thank you very much. And Mr. Top, final rebuttal. I think Canadians have come to be suspicious of Liberal promises during election season. Uh, there are many things that are promised, such as things like electoral reform, uh, like pharmacare. Uh, that are promised on the stump and then fail to materialize. And like has been mentioned, I think uh, the Liberals have had six years to deal with this issue and housing prices have almost doubled. So I don't think that really they're particularly trustworthy on this issue. Thank you very much. And we're almost at time today. So what I'd like to do is give each candidate uh, 90 seconds to give any concluding thoughts on, uh, on their, how their party's platform will deal with uh, the various issues associated with housing uh, that we've discussed today. And what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll turn it over to Mr. Top first for 90 seconds. Well, I'd just like to conclude, to conclude that a lot has been said here for what can be done about affordable housing in this country. The thing is that everything that's been proposed by the Liberals and the Conservatives, though I sure wish they turned up, 
are things that could have been done during their many years in power, which shows you just how seriously they take this crisis, despite their nice words and their big promises. Affordable housing has been a crisis in this country long before this unnecessary election was called, and it will continue to be a problem for as long as we neglect to take it seriously. An NDP government will help renters by waiving federal taxes for those who build affordable housing, as well as provide immediate financial relief for those struggling to afford rent and can't wait for years to have somewhere to live. We will create startup funds for housing co-ops, social housing, and not-for-profit housing. We will help first-time home buyers by doubling the first-time home buyers tax credit and allow for lower mortgage terms for CMHC insured contracts. That will allow for smaller monthly payments. Also, we will heavily tax foreign buyers and crack down on money laundering so people don't have to compete with massive investment firms and shady money when bidding on a house. Fundamentally, what we offer is a shift in attitude. We believe the point of government is to make sure people have a good standard of living in one of the richest countries in the world. There should not be people experiencing homelessness here. People should not be evicted from their homes during a pandemic. People should not have to spend huge portions of their income just to have a place to stay. That is what an NDP government offers and what I promise to do as an MP in Ottawa. We will be a government that always fights for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I'll turn to Amanda Rosenstock for 90 seconds of concluding thoughts. Thank you. If you're a young Canadian who's just starting out or you're a middle income earner, know that the Green Party hears you and understands your frustrations. You're the only party that is willing to address the main drivers of the housing crisis. And it's the fact that we live in a society where homes are treated as commodities. So many of us voted for the Liberals in 2015, hoping they would offer progressive change. Well, after six years of inaction and countless broken promises, we know we can't rely on them to make life more affordable or more sustainable. And the Conservatives and the NDP's plans fall well short of what is needed. It's time for a change. If you want a real progressive voice in Parliament and a party that will actually do what needs to be done to make Canadians' lives better, I urge you to vote Green. Thank you. Thank you very much. And over to Ahmed Hassan for your final 90-second concluding thoughts. Thank you very much. Uh, we're the only uh, political party that has demonstrated action uh, on both on, on housing supply, on aff housing affordability, and on fairness and rights for potential homeowners. Uh, through the National Housing Strategy, we've built uh, the most amount of housing, the most amount of affordable housing, affordable rental housing, deeply affordable uh, housing, as well as addressing the homelessness uh, crisis uh, more than any other political party. We're the only political party that has a fully costed uh, plan uh, of, for housing. And uh, our liberal housing plan will address affordability challenges faced by Canadians, supply challenges faced by Canadians, and, and fairness and rights uh, for, uh, for potential home buyers. Uh, on affordability, we will introduce an innovative rent to own program and a first time home buyer. Uh, we'll revamp the first time home buyer incentive and introduce uh, the a first time tax free savings account the tune of $40,000. On supply, we will put $40 billion on the table to increase supply in partnership with municipalities and other orders of government and communities. On fairness, we will uh, eliminate uh, investment in the foreign, uh, we will eliminate foreign investment in the real estate market. 
for two years and uh, ban uh, blind bidding as well as uh, limit flipping of new homes. Uh, our plan is fully costed. Uh, the other two, the other parties' plans are not fully uh, are not costed at all, and they're not as ambitious or aggressive or comprehensive as the Liberal plan for housing. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I'd like to thank all of our participants today for, for speaking with us uh, on this important issue of housing, which I know has become an important pillar of all of your platforms. Uh, uh, so again, we know it's a busy time as you move through the election process. And so we appreciate you taking uh, an hour out of your time. Uh, and thank you to everyone who tuned in today's uh, podcast episode as well. Please don't forget to cast your vote in the federal election on September 20th. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our website, treb.ca. That's T-R-R-E-B to find market insights and more. This has been another episode of Ready to Real Estate, and thank you for tuning in.